Welcome to the C Word Podcast. I'm your host, Beck Hughes. This is where creative meets business. Here we explore what it takes to harness your creative gifts and turn them into a thriving business. You can have a brand and business that allow you to create work that feels amazing to call yours, have clients you love serving, and live a life that feels like the only place you want to be. Hey there, awesome, and welcome back to the C Word podcast. It's great to have you here. Welcome if it's your first visit. Welcome back if you've been here before. Now, I have been flat out like a lizard drinking this week, if you'll pardon my turn of phrase, because I have got so much going on. I am planning a few workshops next week and the following week, which are my invisible to valuable masterclasses. So I've been working on those, developing all the content, really just trying to pack as much as I can into the 90 minutes. And there's lots of people signing up and saving their seat, which is super exciting. So I can't wait to be doing those. They are on at the time of recording this, the 4th of October, the 6th of October and the 11th of October. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but it is at beckhughes.com forward slash binge. Nice easy one because it's all about becoming a bingeable designer. And the other thing that I'm working on, which I'm even more excited about, is my creative value incubator program, which starts on the 17th of October. And I'm just super excited for that. The more work I do on it, the more I am just so pumped for everything that I have to share. I actually just know that it is going to make so many designers and creatives feel more valued and more valuable in their business. So I'll pop the link for that in the show notes too, because the waitlist is open at the moment and doors open next Monday, which is the 3rd of October. So October is massive and it's my birthday in October as well. My birthday is the 7th of October. Don't, don't tell anyone, but send presents. Maybe I'll put my address in the show notes too, so you can send me your gifts. (laughs) I'm only joking. So anyway, what I want to talk about today is pricing your work as a designer, and more specifically, the mistakes that I have made, that I see other designers making, that I've seen being made in agencies, in studios when I've worked in them. So I wanted to share some of those things. And when I sat down to start kind of noting down some of the things that I wanted to share, it ended up being quite a lot of stuff. (laughs) I've got a list of 15 things I will have you know that I want to share around just some of the pitfalls when it comes to producing proposals and specifically pricing your work. We'll get into that. I'm going to run through each of those points and I'd love you to let me know how you go with it if you get some insight from it because I do know that pricing is one of the things that creatives find the most challenging and I do think a lot of that comes down to mindset. I sent an email out today and shared a post about why we are reluctant to send proposals, send invoices, chase proposals, chase invoices as creatives. And I think very often the excuse is we don't have time, we're too busy, but the reality is we are worried that the client won't accept it, that the client might challenge the invoice. And what that ultimately comes down to is we don't believe in the value of our work. 
which is obviously crazy because designers are amazing humans and the value we create in this world and for our clients is phenomenal in my opinion. But there's definitely a mindset block with it. But I'm not talking about that specifically today, although I will touch on it. I'm also talking about some very practical things that come up when it does come to developing that pricing. So strap in, listen up, and hopefully you get loads of value out of this one. I'm pretty excited to share it. So like I said, there are 15 things that I want to share. Who knew there was so much when it comes to pricing your work? So I'm going to run through them and hopefully there will be lots of stuff here that you can take away and apply in your own business. So the first one is the first mistake that I see happening over and over when it comes to pricing design and creative work is basing it on gut feel. So it's how much do I feel it's worth? How much do I feel like I can charge for this? How much do I feel like I can get away with essentially? And like I said in the intro, this relies a lot on your belief in your work and essentially an unshakable money mindset. Because if you don't have strong belief, but you're relying on that intuition and that gut feel, then the negative voice, the niggle, that says, oh, don't charge that much, oh, that's too much, oh, your work's not probably not worth that, you're not delivering that much, well, it's not very hard, is it? All of those negative messages and that niggling naysayer voice is going to start getting in your head and challenging the pricing that you want to put forward. So there has to be more science, let's say, to pricing your work. Just relying on gut feel alone isn't enough. Now, what I would say is pricing can be very powerful when it's a combination of the insight and goals and some science, and then overlaying that with your intuition and your self-belief and what you think you should be charging. So the two can go hand in hand, but when you're relying on the gut feel alone and it's being held back and pecked away at by maybe not having a strong belief in your work or not having a really strong money mindset, that can be problematic. So that's the first one, basing your pricing on gut feel alone. Mistake. <laughs> the second one is trying to anticipate what the client wants to pay. Now, someone who I respect and admire very much often says you should stay out of your client's wallet. And it's the perfect way to sum up what this is all about, which is to say, it's really none of your business what your client can or can't pay. It's not the point. The point is what you want and need to charge for your work. Whether or not they then want to pay that is down to lots of different factors. It's down to their own self-belief in their ability to justify that investment. It's down to how much they value their own business. It's down to how much they perceive a value in what you're going to do. So there's lots of factors that will affect it, but it's not your job to figure that out. Your job is just to price your work appropriately and then do everything necessary to elevate your value perception in your business. And that's work to be done over time, but that's your job. Your job is not to try and second guess, get out your crystal ball and anticipate what the client will pay. When you start trying to preempt that, you can tie yourself up in knots and you can make a lot of assumptions about what it is that your client does want to pay or can afford. 
Because you don't know exactly what's going on there. You don't know how much they really want to get this done with you, how much they value you, or how much they really understand and value the process. So you've got to try and step away from that and focus internally on what it is that you're creating, the value that you believe you will generate, and what you want to charge. The third mistake is to keep quoting and changing the scope every time. So to make it this open-ended blank sheet of paper that every time a client approaches you, you start from scratch. You start to try and understand what they want, what the scope is, and molding the scope around them. So every time you have a new inquiry, you're investing a huge amount of admin and time into developing a unique proposal before you even know how engaged the client is. And I think that's a big mistake. It really does create a lot of admin and it can take you outside of your zone of genius or the areas of your niche that you want to focus on because you start trying to adapt yourself to what the client wants. So for me, I think it's a really important thing to be really clear on what your packages are and what you're offering and to keep consistent pricing around that and not work on different scope, different pricing, different quotes for every single client that pops up. The fourth mistake, this is actually a big one and I think particularly this comes up a lot with solo designers and solo creatives because when you're in an agency, very often it's done differently. So in agency, we would always price not only for the creative work, but also for all of the other time that goes into delivering a creative project. And there's lots in that. So there's the creative output, but there's also the client service time, the meeting time, all the peripheral stuff around administration and what it costs us to support that client to deliver a project. So I think it's a big mistake when you don't think about some of the other things that can take up your time that also add value to the project as well though. So it's not just about the time, it's also about what goes into making this a really great experience for your client, what gives you a great outcome. And I think often creatives can think about, well, this is my investment my time in creating the work but forget about all of the hours that they're going to sit in meetings with the clients the initial meeting the fact-finding meeting the presentation meeting potentially taking feedback all of the emails that they'll have to read and respond to all of the other admin work that goes into delivering that project for the client and that's not less valuable than the creative it's all part of a package So it's really important to remember all of those things, particularly meetings. Because I think if you did a time in motion study and worked out how much time you spend on the phone or in Zoom calls with clients, it's probably quite significant and it might be time that you don't recoup. The next thing is being really specific about the scope. And I've spoken about this before, but this is really about putting some rigor into what's included and what's not included. And this comes down right down to brass tacks. What will the client get? What will I do? What won't I do? And being really crystal clear on that. So there is no A, room for confusion, but B, that you're being really clear that you're pricing for everything, that you don't price for one particular item, but there are multiple other things, peripheral things that would go with that and have to be done to do that, that you forget to price for. So you might be pricing for a website, let's say, but part of that process might be to 
find library images and purchase library images even. So there's a cost involved in that. There's a cost in the time to find the images. There's a cost to purchase the images, which may be overlooked. So if you specify all of those things in the scope, you're much less likely to forget it in your pricing. If you keep it all broad and woolly, well, I'm just delivering a website without being specific about how many pages and will SEO be included and how many plugins are going to be included and am I going to do the copy or is that going to be supplied or outsourced and what about the images? So being really specific about all those things. The next mistake is sharing your hours with the client in the proposal specifying stage one, four hours, stage two, 10 hours, stage three, four hours, however it goes, because then you're bringing it back to units of time, which undermine the value that you're going to be delivering. So the client might start to challenge, well, I don't think that scope of work you've described there will take four hours. So you start to get into that tit for tat about how many hours. And then sometimes you might get that pushback you know you perhaps do it quicker and the client realizes that and they challenge you on it it's not about the hours and you shouldn't share your hours in your proposal now I've spoken before yes you might use hours as your internal benchmark for pricing that might be one of the components or should be one of the components that helps you build a price list but it should never ever be something that you talk about or you're transparent about with your client and I don't mean transparent when I use the word transparency it sounds like you're somehow hiding something. You're not hiding anything. There is just no onus on you. There is no expectation. There is nothing dodgy about you not sharing your hours. Thinking about other kinds of art, a artist, a painter who's commissioned to produce a work won't say to the client, well, this is going to take me 20 hours. So it's not that you're hiding something or you're not being transparent. It's just that it's not what's important. What's important is the outcome and the value of that outcome to your client. How much do they want that? And what's that worth to them? Now, the other thing is how you deliver that pricing. So I've spoken before about price list versus value-led proposal. And this for me is a really, really super important distinction. So I've done a podcast about this before and I will link it in the show notes that where I break down all of the things that would go into a value-led proposal. But really the point here is not just sharing the price when you're pricing your work, but also sharing all of the value and the thought and the process and the testimonials from others, really packing that with why your work is absolutely worth the price that you're proposing. So don't just price your work and put it into a price list. Wrap it up in a really intentional, deliberate, value-led proposal that shows all of your thinking and puts all of that value that you will create on the outside. The next mistake that I want to touch on is focusing on volume and quantity over quality, essentially. So I see a lot of designers and creatives saying that they'll produce six concepts for logo or x number of revisions and it's it's a really high number i think there's the perception that volume is valuable (laughs) whereas actually it's more important to invest your time in quality so in some ways i think 
not setting any kind of expectation on the volume is quite important, particularly when it comes to the volume of your output. So yes, I think there is merit, and this comes back to the scope, in talking about rounds of changes, authors' corrections, how many rounds of development work you will do in terms of the design. I think it's worth being specific about that and capping that. But when it comes to the volume of your output, don't be tempted to pack that and inflate it to somehow justify your pricing. What this essentially comes down to is under-promise and over-deliver. So give yourself scope if you do decide you want to do more, or really it shouldn't be about the number. Doing eight logo concepts doesn't mean you'll get to any better outcome than if you did one or two or three. It's better to invest in creating a small number of really high quality, well-developed concepts than promising reams and reams of them. Now, the number of times, if I had like a dollar for every time this happened, that a client at the end, like after I've delivered a brand project, they come back to me sometimes months later, sometimes even years later, and I'm not joking, and ask me for their files in Word or their files in Canva. Even though I'm really specific that all of my work is created in Illustrator or InDesign, and images may well be Photoshop, PSD images, and they'll be delivered as PDFs and RAW files. So I'm quite specific about that. And the fact that question has come up a lot has led me to tweak my onboarding so I make that even clearer to clients. But the point here is about being really specific about the deliverables. So if you're delivering just a PDF in a particular size at a particular resolution, let the client know. Because guaranteed they will come back and ask for different formats. They will assume that you created that brochure in Word because they've probably never even heard of Illustrator. So being really clear on what the deliverable is and the scope of that deliverable is pretty essential to your pricing. And this also comes back to a little bit around scope, which is the volume of those deliverables. So don't just say high-res logo at the end. List out all of the different versions they're going to get, what file formats, JPEG, PNG, SVG files, PSD files, AI files, whatever they're getting, are they getting the black and white, the single color, the full color, with tagline, without tagline, be really specific about what they're getting. Again, it will prompt you to be clearer in your pricing because when you start to list that, you'll go, wow, there's a lot here. The value that I'm creating here is extensive, so I should price accordingly. But also again, as a side benefit, you don't get into that gray area with your client where they had an expectation that wasn't cleared up. The next thing, I think this is number 10 on my 15, 1 to 15 countdown. This is all about negotiating. You send out your pricing and then you open it up for the client to negotiate. So that starts with hesitation from you. I hope this meets your expectations. If not, let's have a chat and discuss what budget you have available to you. Immediately, there is a message being sent that you are open to negotiate your pricing. Don't go there. Don't do that. Because everybody will try and get something, well, I shouldn't say everybody, that's a bit of a blanket term. But, you know, it is human nature and there is nothing wrong with trying to get something at the best possible price. So if you open yourself up to a client coming back and saying, oh, well, actually, 
I only really had this kind of budget in mind. Is that something you can accommodate? Then you get into this negotiation about your pricing. Now, negotiating in itself isn't necessarily bad. It's how you go about doing it. So number one, it's about not opening yourself up to it, like I said. But number two, if you are open to it, if it's a project you really want, it's something you really want to do, what I would say is never just drop your price, but not change your scope. This is so crucial because this is about your value perception and this is about setting the right tone with the client that they're just not going to always get the same for less, that they can't always knock you down on price but still get the same result. So what I mean by that, if your scope is to deliver four items and the client wants to negotiate on price, then you might knock off two items. If your scope is for three one-hour workshops and your client wants to negotiate, then you may be able to say, well, we can negotiate, but that's one less workshop that I will deliver. Now, word of caution on negotiation, because I don't do it, because I have spent a long time, seven years plus, really fine-tuning my process. And I believe so strongly in that process and what it delivers when you work through it in a really committed way. So I'm not willing to remove anything from it. I'm not willing to compromise on that process. And therefore, I don't negotiate on the scope. But there are some instances where you might want to do that and it's okay. But never negotiate and leave the scope and the deliverables the same because it's sending out the wrong message. The next thing when it comes to pricing your work is pricing widgets, not solutions. Again, this really comes back to the priceless mentality. Having a list of things, a shopping list, a menu of all the things that your client can choose. And they're all very tangible commodity things. A brochure, a leaflet, a business card, a logo. So instead of pricing widgets, I really strongly believe in pricing solutions. So packaging up all of the things that come together to produce a particular outcome for your client rather than just letting them shop commodity items because again it devalues what you're doing it forgets that there is also a strategic process that you're going to take your client through it just focuses on that physical thing that they'll have in their keen little hands at the end of it so think about how you can package and price solutions that are things that your client wants in their business outcomes that they are looking for The next one is a bit of a mindset thing. And I think this is something we can get caught up in when we're second guessing ourselves, doubting the value of our pricing. And that is how quickly you can do it or how easy it is. So again, it's that little niggle that says, oh, well, this is quite easy for you. You've done things like this so many times and it only took you this long. So I don't think you can justify that kind of price. And that really, again, is the kind of stuff that gets in your head and starts to make you question your pricing. So it's really important not to think about how quick, how easy, in inverted commas, this is, because it's not the point. It's a bit of a cliche and it gets said a lot, but it's so true. It might be easy, again, inverted commas, for you, and you might do it quickly, but there's a reason for that. Your years of experience, your training, you've honed this process, your skill, your gift of design and your gift of creativity all come together to make it easy and to make you quick. And there is a price on that too that has a huge amount of intangible value attached to it, which you 
absolutely should not disregard. This is, again, not about time. This is not about how easy it is for you. On the flip side, though, and this is another point, it's a mistake not to make allowances for complexity, difficulty, potential risk. And this is what I call your value percentage, if you like. It's the cream on the top. So when you share your value-led proposal, when that gets downloaded from your website or however you choose to do it, it's an indication of price. There might be things that change. You're not locked into that. If a client suddenly comes to you and changes the goalposts and you're willing to discuss that, then things can change. And that is actually even a disclaimer you should have on that price list. It's a guide, but it's not hard and fast. So when I talk about complexity, difficulty, risk, an example of that would be working with a client where there are multiple stakeholders. So that might add a level of complexity. So working with one single business owner who is the decision maker can expedite a process much more than when there might be three, four, five stakeholders in a bigger business who all have a say. Because that might add to your time to manage those people. It might add to the complexity of the feedback and kind of working through that with them. It might add time and delays when not all of those people are available. So there are certain things that might bring with them additional risk, additional complexity, which you should consider. Other things might be, let's just say that you get the call in to work on a really big brand. It has huge reach and you may well price that differently. And I think that's an instance where you're right to do so because there is much more risk, but also research consideration that would need to go into working on that brand, whether it be their website, whether it be their photography, whether it be their logo and redesigning their identity. There is going to be more difficulty and complexity and potential exposure to risk of working on a brand like that. And it's worth considering how you would be compensated for that. We're nearly there. I've nearly reached the end of my countdown. It's not in any particular order, by the way. (laughs) It's just as I thought of them. So the next thing is about not factoring in your costs and expenses. So we touched on this a little bit when we said about not accounting for everything, not accounting for meetings and admin. This is also about not accounting for your cost of doing business. So all of the things in your business which are what you need, the expenses you need to incur to run. That might be the cost of your software, the cost of your computer, your equipment. That might be your monthly subscriptions to image libraries, etc. That might be some of your marketing costs. All of those things impact your bottom line and are things that you should consider in your pricing. To be profitable, you need to, at the very least, cover those costs plus. So if you're not considering them, if you're not really clear on what your costs and your expenses are in your business, the cost of doing business, then it's going to be really hard for you to be profitable because you're not pricing yourself to cover those costs and then build profit on top of that. So that's a job you can do right now, job you can do today. Go and write down, if you dare, get a spreadsheet even and list out and attach a cost to all of your monthly annual costs as well as your 
cost going forward? What are you putting in every year for when you upgrade your Mac every three years, for example, or when you invest in new technology? You should be paying yourself forward for some of that too, or paying your business forward. So I would do that right now and make sure in your pricing, you're allowing space and fat to cover those costs. And then the final thing, which I think is number 15, it should be, <laughs> if I, I might not be able to count that far, I haven't got that many fingers, but it is 15. The final thing is not considering the long-term big picture value of certain things. And there's a couple of examples I would give you. And the first one for me is naming. If you, like me, offer naming in your business as a creative, you will understand how difficult, how complex, how fraught with emotion that process is. Finding a great name, which is ownable, which you can buy a domain name for, everybody agrees on, that is readable, all of those things, all of the practical things, as well as the emotional things that a name has to do, all of the boxes it needs to tick, is a huge undertaking. And I have had clients, one particular comes to mind, they had wrestled for months with naming. They wanted a name that they could get the .com for, that would talk to their values as a business, that they could trademark across multiple countries. And that is no easy task. Because I would wager that most dot-coms these days have been purchased. So they'd really wrestled with that. And then when I came to work with them, fairly quickly actually, we landed on a name which they loved. They could buy the dot-com and they could register in all those territories. That is worth its weight in gold, let me tell you. The value of a good name, wow, you can hardly put a price tag on it. So it's worth being aware not only of, okay, well, I sit down, I come up with a long list of names and then we filter that down and then we do some background checks and there, ta-da, we've got a name. That is the process. But the value that you create for a business in generating for them, crafting for them a brilliant name is infinite, exponential. So really you should price accordingly. Now, of course you can't put priceless on your price list but you should not undervalue what goes into that because let me tell you you've only got to look at the big Facebook groups to see how challenging naming is for them so if you can crack it for them wow that is worth so much to them as a business the other example of this would be something like surface pattern design that has so much scope for reuse. So yes, it might be fairly easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but maybe so much fun. It might be so enjoyable for you. That might be your love and your passion to develop surface patterns. And therefore you feel, well, you know, I'll price accordingly. It doesn't take me long. I love doing it. It was just a pattern, but it's not just a pattern, is it? Because the reusability of that, all of the different ways your client can use it, or let's say they're putting it onto a product and that product goes gangbusters and they sell millions and millions of SKUs and units. And then they start to put it across loads of different products. It's not just on a water bottle anymore. It's on a cushion and a phone case and a mouse pad and the front of a notebook that surface pattern ends up being everywhere you look and the client gets so much value from it because it was loved so they can continue to leverage it over and over again. Now, of course, part of that's going to come down to your licensing, how you license that service pattern, whether you make that something that 
you restrict, and this is similar to licensing images, for example, you restrict its usage. You might restrict how much it can be used in terms of volume. Okay, it can only be used on X thousand SKUs, or you might restrict the territories it can be used in, or you might restrict the applications it can be used on, or you might restrict the time that it's licensed for. You've got the license for this for two years. Putting some thought into the value that you would create with something like that and the way that the client can continue to use that, the big picture of that output is a really important reminder when you come to pricing it. Don't just think about it again as a widget, as a deliverable. Think about all of the ways that that can be used, can manifest itself for your client and the bigger picture value that it creates for them. So there you go. There's quite a lot there, I think. I think that says a lot about how challenging it is to price our work and how many pitfalls that come up, many of which I think are related to our mindset and how much we value our work as creatives. Really think about some of those things. Are some of those things that you let slip through the net? Have you really thought about the scope and the deliverables? Have you really drilled into what your costs are, how much time you spend in meetings? Are you just relying on your gut and letting some of those negative money mindset voices challenge you and hold you back in your pricing? That's the end of today's episode, but I would love to know what you think. If you've got any light bulb moments, please, please share if you think there are other people in your community that would benefit from this episode too. And if you enjoy it, then give me a little rating, leave me a review because I would so appreciate it. So for now, it just remains to say have an amazing day, enjoy the rest of your week, and I can't wait to chat to you again soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay.